Gift Biz Unwrapped, Episode 371. Stick to your guns and don't let anyone dash your dreams. Attention, gifters, bakers, crafters, and makers. Pursuing your dream can be fun. Whether you have an established business or are looking to start one now, you are in the right place. This is Gift Biz Unwrapped, helping you turn your skill into a flourishing business. Join us for an episode packed full of invaluable guidance, resources, and the support you need to grow your gift biz. Here is your host, gift biz gal, Sue Monheit. Hi there, it's Sue, and thanks for joining me here today. By now, you're probably familiar with my new bash parties. If not, go back in the lineup and listen to one of the podcasts that has bash in the title. I've just added new dates for the program. They happen at all different times, weekends, evenings, and day slots, so that I can accommodate everyone's schedule who's interested in being part of a bash. It's completely free to get new eyes on your business, what you're always striving for, right? To see the schedule and sign up for a bash, go to giftbizunwrapped.com forward slash bash. And if one date has already been filled up, go try for another. They're becoming really popular. Last time, there was only one open spot left. Super exciting. (laughs) Our guest today is Gloria Brown. Inside the Breeze, we've done a website review for Gloria, and she's a regular contributor to all the conversations and activities in this handmade product maker wonderland. I invited Gloria to share her story on the podcast for two reasons. Her journey is a perfect illustration of how a business evolves. We'll get into all the goodness about that directly from her in a few minutes. Gloria has also been an early adapter to the world of collaboration. In her case, finding a partner and creating wellness events, in-person craft type shows, if you will. I'm thinking it might spark an idea for you too. Gloria, it's time to share your story. Today, it is my pleasure to introduce you to Gloria Brown. Gloria is the owner of Ah Land Woman Herbals. The name was inspired by her Caribbean roots, and it's also representative of the all-natural organic ingredients used in her handcrafted skincare products. They will have you saying, ah, when you use them. Her products, made from organic skincare oils, are free from harsh chemicals, with a special focus on products for mature, sensitive, or troubled skin. Gloria received her herbal certification from Trinity College of Natural Healing, her herbal medicine certification from Crest Chestnut School of Herbal Medicine, and her aromatherapist certification from the Pacific Institute of Aromatherapy. I'd say she definitely has the training to back up her product expertise. Gloria, welcome to the Gift Biz Unwrapped podcast. Hi, Sue. Thanks so much for having me today. I am so excited to hear your story. But before we go there, we are doing a motivational candle, which is something that's become a tradition here on the show. I like to get an inside peek as to who you are through your description of a perfect motivational candle that suits you. So Gloria, by color and a quote, would you describe for us what your motivational candle would look like? 
Well, my candle would be bright red with gold swirls, and it would smell like a rose. To me, the color red evokes passion and energy. In fact, I painted the inside of my front door in this color. It lifts me and inspires me every time I see it. In fact, I have peace and blessings written in Japanese in gold leaf on the door panels. This is my nod to feng shui. Ooh, I love it. So literally the inside of your front door of your house is bright red with the gold on it? Yes. Wow, that's cool. I love that. (laughs) (laughs) Are those words also written then on your candle or do you have additional words? Well, I think my candle would say, catch the spark. That would be the quote with a subtitle, live your dreams to the fullest. Sometimes our ideas comes from what we see around us and what we dream. And so that's why I keep a little pad by my bedside table so that when I wake up in the morning, I can jot down ideas that occur to me during the evening. As well, I would tell people, stick to your guns and don't let anyone dash your dreams. Both of those things so important. Man, I can't tell you, and I do this to this day too, still, I'll have a good idea and I'll be like, okay, I'm not getting up. It's such a good idea. I know I'll remember it. (laughs) And what happens? Gone. As the day goes on, you forget it. Yeah, just totally gone. So like, I need to remember the words that you're saying because I just need to do it that way. Because it's so sad, it's fleeting, and maybe it'll come back to you again, but maybe it won't. Yes. Like you just don't know. And I agree with you also on your dreams. Like, my gosh, we're going through this life. Why don't we capture those dreams? You don't want to be at the end and say, I wonder what would have happened if I would have tried this or that or whatever. Right. Woulda, coulda. Yeah. So anyone who's listening here, take it from Gloria. Don't do that. Let's just get started. Go after your dream. Tell us about you going after your dream. I think that's a good place to start. Well, Sue, it's a kind of a long story. And so I was part of the corporate America for about 30 years. I started as a temp at Western Electric, and I worked my way up to district manager in Lucent Technologies by the time I retired. However, I always said to myself that I didn't belong in that kind of environment. I think it was the networking at the business conferences and friendships that I had developed over the years that got me through, however. They offered a package, I couldn't refuse, and I left, and I'm so glad that I did. But before I left the company, three friends and I from AT&T formed a business. We decided, as each of us retired, we would enter the business full-time. I was the first one out and did a lot of the grunt work initially. The focus of the business was to bring wellness services to corporate women. It centered around stress relief, healthy eating, exercise, and spa and massage services. So it was services where you would come in and be pampered, massage, do soaks, that type of thing? Right. Actually, we intended to take them to a spa where we brought these outside services to them. So in our first event, we invited a naturopath to come and speak about wellness. We brought in a chef for the day to prepare healthy meals for them. And then they could sign up for various spa treatments for the rest of the day. We were off to a good start and we were so excited about this new adventure. But then 9-11 happened. Actually, I believe this event took place one month before 9-11. This was your first event? 
This was our first event and unfortunately our last event. Women were rethinking their roles in corporate America. They were concerned about working long hours, not having healthy diets, not making self-care a priority in their lives. But with 9-11, times change. Families started cocooning. Women were staying home and taking better care of themselves and their families and were more concerned about their disposable cash. Unfortunately, slowly, my friends also dropped out of the business one by one. Opportunity lost. Ah, but something tells me that's not the end of that story. (laughs) (laughs) So I set aside some time to do some thinking about my next steps. I had always envisioned opening a bookstore because reading is my passion. But let me be clear that loving to read and owning a bookstore are not the same. That I did discover. Okay, that's a good point that we didn't plan to bring up, but I want to press pause for a second here, because I think this often happens too within our maker businesses, right? Making soaps is not the same as having a soap business, or designing jewelry is not always the same as having a jewelry business. So tell us, broaden out a little bit more about this. So having a bookstore is not the same as enjoying reading books. Talk a little bit more about what that means. It is not. (laughs) In fact, you don't even get time to read a book. (laughs) Just starting out, you may not have the funds in order to bring on an employee. So you're at the store maybe nine o'clock in the morning. You're there opening up the store, getting the cash register ready, straightening up the store, dusting if you have to, making sure that the displays are in order, et cetera, et cetera. You're also the bookkeeper. And if you have classes like I did, sometimes I was there till 1130, 12 o'clock at night because after the class is over, you've got to tidy up and make sure everything is straight for the next day. I was also the bookkeeper, so I did the books, but I also had experience in finances. So that was not a big deal for me, but it was just something else that I had to do. Yeah, because you were wearing all the hats at that point. Every hat. You're ordering inventory. You're dealing with publishers. You're going to conferences if you have the time and somebody to replace you. So it becomes a little stale after a while. You have to make it interesting. Okay, so where did that lead you? I mean, you probably liked it in the beginning, right? Oh, I absolutely did. And then was it just it got to be too much over time or like what happened? Well, I think in the beginning that it was really, really good. But okay, I had an SBA loan. I also did a home equity line of credit in order to build out the lease of the store and get things up and running. So those were pressing on me. I was also in a lease that bumped up my rent 5% every year. So there were a bunch of things working against me. I think I was bringing in good money at the time. However, I was not getting the benefits of that. Yeah, because your overhead cost, you know, going straight into brick and mortar, your overhead right. costs were a lot. So, but I would say what you've described already is true of any business. You know, we start and do all the things. You know, you've got all the plates running in the air, right? Right? Accounting and shipping and production and everything, and then you added on top of that having extra financial responsibilities. Absolutely. Which some people do. I mean, it's no problem. But so it became very heavy for you, it sounds like. It did. It was unfortunate. And even the customers that I see today in the street, oh, are you going to open up your store again? I mean, they really loved it. 
Mm-hmm. And it's unfortunate that I could not continue it. But you know what? It just wasn't for you then, right? Like that version of the business just wasn't the way you wanted to go. Yes, right. Okay. <laughs> Is that a good summary? I don't want to put words in your mouth. <laughs> no, no, it absolutely is a good summary. Okay. I had done all the planning. I joined a professional organization, the ABA, the American Booksellers Association. I got assistance putting together business plan and a budget. And at those conferences, I met folks who were creating similar businesses who I am still in touch with today. But each one of us kind of went our own separate ways as far as our businesses were concerned. But when I look now back at the budget that I had set up for the store, I did not come close. People don't understand, I think, that when you do a budget, it needs to be realistic. And if that number is telling you something, you really need to take pause and really listen to it. I think it was like $400,000 in order to get started. I didn't have anything near that. However, I took the plunge. I was going after my dream Mm -hmm. and I enjoyed it for six and a half years. I was there and created good partnerships with other businesses. In fact, some stores, we banded together so that when a new book came out, we would work with the publishing house to coordinate book signings. And so we had a network from Virginia to New Hampshire. And so we would book an author, they would start in Virginia, and they would move their way through the different stores, coming to New Jersey where my store was, and then on to New Hampshire where other stores were. And so it was a great collaboration. It worked for us, it worked for the authors, and I think it was a really good collaboration. Hundreds of books were sold that way, and the authors and the publishing houses, they just loved us. Well, and you had a system set up. So when a new book came out, they knew that they could just roll through a system that was already established and tested. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So then let's keep going from there. So you had the bookstore six years and then you take it away. Part of my dream was bringing together a love of books, educational services, and programs in the area of alternative health. And my goal was to help improve the health and well-being of the people in the community. So while I was growing the business, which was a bookstore and I called it a wellness center, I met so many interesting customers and spiritual teachers, which reawakened my desire to continue my own spiritual journey through herbs and hands-on healing. Got it. So the bookstore, kind of a jumping ground for you for what you're doing now. Right. Okay, I'm with you now. So this desire to create an herbal product line and to teach and inspire others to take care of their health by building their own apothecaries and learning about the different oils and herbs and how it can improve their health led me to launch Island Woman Herbals. Okay, so I just want to say here that this is a perfect example of keeping your end goal in mind. With you, it was making sure people were informed and using wellness in terms of products and knowledge and all of that. Okay, the bookstore worked for a while and then you saw that it wasn't going to work. Instead of changing your end goal, you just started changing how you were going to get there. And I think that's a good example for anyone who's listening who's struggling a little bit. It doesn't mean that your end goal, your initial idea isn't right. It's just you might need to find another path to get there. And it sounds, Gloria, back to your story, that lots of connections, lots of learning was done in the bookstore. So you built upon that as you transitioned into something different. 
Absolutely. We did classes in yoga and sound healing, astrology and tarot, numerology. We brought in psychics, chair massage, meditation. And so I met so many wonderful people doing this. And so now in this business, I've also created a fair, which we can talk about a little later, that brings together some of these topics and subjects, as well as the crafters and the makers in the community. Okay, so you closed down the bookstore, and instead of taking, what was the name of the bookstore? It was called Divine Inspirations. Divine Inspirations? Correct. Okay, beautiful. And so why didn't you keep that name and instead elected to create something totally new? What was your thinking behind that? I guess I didn't think about keeping the name. I wanted something new. Okay, so you wanted to start fresh. Right, I wanted something new. Okay, all right. So for people who are just starting, like what were the first things that you did to establish this business? Well, I think the most challenging thing was transitioning from running a brick and mortar to an online business selling herbs and products. And what was important was, okay, what was going to be my niche? Who was I going to serve? What skills were going to be needed to pursue an herbal product making business? And frankly, I had to go back to school. Not only was I pursuing a new journey, but I had to make sure that I was qualified and knew exactly what I was doing, even though these areas are not regulated in the U.S., For me, that meant finding an international school because their regulations around products were more stringent than here in the U.S. And I wanted to make sure that my products would pass their testing requirements if I wanted to sell internationally. Oh, so this was a strategic move for you right in the beginning. It was. I needed to know what I needed to know. Mm -hmm. And sometimes until you start studying, you don't know what you don't know. And I thought that that was important. I thought that it also lends itself to credibility in the topic that you're discussing with your customers and other folks, other herbalists. Well, absolutely. I mean, you heard what I said in the intro, that you definitely have the training and the knowledge and the expertise to be talking with huge credibility about the products that you offer. And I felt that that was really important. So 100% agree because it sets you apart from other people who are using herbs or doing some type of aromatherapy who might not have that degree. So this does make you different and sets you apart. But along with that, back then, you know, like when you were just starting, comes the investment. Yes. <laughs> and you really think about that before you do it. But I felt that finding the best in the business and learning from the best was important to me. And so I set aside some monies and I did as much research as I could to find the schools that were the best ones for me at the time. Got it. Okay. So you did a period of learning. And during that period of learning, were you also starting to set up the business or were they separate phases disconnected? Like first the learning, then setting up the business? Yeah. First the learning and then setting up the business. So you were so focused. So you have three certifications, if not more. (laughs) Well, diplomas or what have you. And the word certification is a little misleading. In order to be certified, you have to go to a recognized school. Mm -hmm. And so most of them are diplomas or certifications. But I cannot really call myself a certified herbalist unless I'm doing clinical work, which I'm not. Got it. 
Okay, but you are certified in the different topics, meaning you have a heightened level of knowledge than someone who's just coming out and doing this without a certification. Correct. Okay. All right. So you got your knowledge. Love that. Now you're moving into the business, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So I'm curious. So Ah Land Woman Herbals, first off, I love that you're just defining who it's going to be for right away. <laughs> Women, <laughs> right? But that doesn't mean that we don't serve men as well. No, of course not. And like, I think that's also important. Like when you niche down, because that's the big thing people talk about now, it doesn't mean that there won't be outliers, if you will, who aren't going to also want your product, but you're talking to a specific group of people who are your core customers. And of course, Absolutely. you're not you're not going to say, oh, you're a man. I'm sorry, I won't sell to you. <laughs> <laughs> no, never, never. Yeah. But so tell me about the name as it relates to your Caribbean roots. Well, my dad was Jamaican and my mom's family was from Trinidad and Bermuda. So in the household, even though she was a nurse, we didn't necessarily ascribe to the conventional medications, I'll put it that way. There were other things, bush tea or something like that, that mom would prepare for us that would keep us as healthy as possible. I found out about this just recently when I was on a trip to Brazil. You know, you often hear like there's so much medicine available in nature. And yeah, I heard it. I heard it. But what have I grown up with here in America? Always just all the medicines that you get at Walgreens <laughs> wherever, right? And then we went out into the jungles, the bush, like I don't know what you call it in Brazil with a gentleman whose mom was a medical doctor, but also used only medicines from nature. And mm -hmm. I was like eye-opening understanding what these different things did much better than a lot of our man-made medicines too. So when you're talking about this, I totally understand it better now from my experience than if I was listening to your words before I had that experience, which I guess mm. is why I decided to pipe in here and say that <laughs> because I really didn't understand like the value and the intensity of healing that natural products can provide. I think that's the best way for me to say that. And springtime is a good season because, well, I keep my yard, my garden as pristine as I can, but I allow things to grow. I don't use pesticides or anything like that. So I have growing garlic mustard, I have mugwort, I have dandelions, and other assorted herbs that I use in my medicines as well. Mm-hmm. Right now, the dandelions are coming up, and so I am preserving them in extra virgin olive oil, and in six weeks, I will make a dandelion oil. I have some forsythia that came up. They're all gone now, so you have to catch them in the season. Unless you come here to Chicago, we still have forsythia right now. Oh, really? They're just blooming. Yeah. Yeah, mine are gone. <laughs> Come visit. <laughs> I have lungwort growing. I have uh, later on in the season, monarda, which is bee balm. I have also holy basil and some others, as well as I have a vegetable garden. So, so I use what grows in the garden to supplement some of the products that I have and giving people an education as well. I've created a series called Gloria's Backyard, where I take people and roam around the garden and give them little tidbits of information about each one of the plants there. You started doing this, was it last fall? 
Yes. I remember that. Remember I was doing that blog series? Yes. Was that when it was? And that's when we became acquainted and you were showing, or was it a video challenge? I forget which. And you started doing that. And so what did you do during the winter? Were you still doing that? No, I kind of took a hiatus. Because it's cold. Well, unless it's yes. growing too, probably. <laughs> Less is growing. Right. So in the wintertime, it would be about the barks, the berries and things like that, none of which are growing here in my yard. So mm-hmm. I kind of took a hiatus on that. And are you seeing that you're growing your following from some of these videos that you're doing? Yes, I am. I post them on uh, Instagram as well as on my website Mm -hmm. and Facebook. And so people are following along. Right now, I'm creating a series, Spring into Wellness, I call it, where I'm discussing some of these same plants and inviting people to learn along with me as far as what good they're for, the body systems that they work on. And at the end, I also give them a few recipes that they can follow, uh, like a make a tea or a tincture or a salve or something like that out of them. And the properties that they have and, you know, how it will make you feel once you've done that. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. Wonderful. And everyone who's listening, consult the show notes. We'll have all the links to Gloria's various sites there. So you can pick and choose which is your favorite and go and follow and see what she's up to with all of that. So we're still developing the business. You have the name. How did Mm -hmm. you decide which were the first products that you were going to offer? Hmm. I think that it came from some of the lessons that I learned in the various courses that I took and probably from the Chestnut School of Herbal Medicine Making. During that, I don't know how many hundreds of hours that was, we had various products and projects that we had to do and final evaluations, etc. So I probably started off with something very basic and very simple, which was probably a salve. I had also attended some classes in New York at the Open Center with some famous herbalists from this area where I learned or supplemented my learning from the schools that I attended. Mm -hmm. So that was really interesting. And I think we started off with tinctures, which are made with alcohol. I don't ingest alcohol, so my tinctures were made with raw apple cider vinegar, which will draw out similar properties as the alcohol, but not all of the properties as the alcohol. And so that was really interesting. So we spent a couple of weeks with that particular teacher. And that's how I supplement my learning, conferences, etc., as well as reading. Yeah, which also keeps you updated in the field also to keep the credibility because your brand is linked with your knowledge, your certifications, as we talked about before, and continuing credibility, staying updated with everything. Right. What are your full range of offerings? We'll continue on with Gloria's story right after a quick break to hear from our sponsor. Yes, it's possible. Increase your sales without adding a single customer. How you ask? By offering personalization with your products. Wrap a cake box with a ribbon saying, Happy 30th birthday, Annie. Or add a special message and date to wedding or party favors for an extra meaningful touch. Where else can you get customization with a creatively spelled name or fine packaging that includes a saying whose meaning is known to a select two? Not only are customers willing to pay for these special touches, they'll tell their friends and word will spread about your company and products. You can create personalized ribbons and labels in seconds. Make just one or thousands without waiting weeks or having to spend money to order yards and yards. Print words in any language or font. Add logos, images, even photos. Perfect for branding or adding ingredient and flavor labels too. 
For more information, go to theribbonprintcompany.com. Well, I range from salves and lotions and scrubs and spray, room sprays, bug sprays. There are also some skincare products, butters, beard oil for men. At one time, I had a shaving cream for men. I kind of discontinued that, but we'll probably pick that up again. At one time, I had baby products as well. That I've also discontinued, but we'll pick up in the future. I wanted to just kind of hone in on just some basics and like foot scrubs and soaks. So all pampering products, but the overlying theme is organic. Everything organic, everything natural, Mm -hmm. instilling all the knowledge that you have in terms of your ingredient selection into the products that you offer. I think that's absolutely important. And to understand the difference between a pure oil and an essential oil, a carrier oil, and which ones work best for different types of skin, et cetera. Okay, so that just brings up a curiosity in me. How would I know that if I'm going to the website and looking at all your products? Well, some of them will be marked and some of them will tell you this particular product is for itches Mm, or rashes or diaper rash or I have one plantain and jewelweed salve, which is really good for uh, poison ivy. So if you read the description, it should tell you what you like to know, but they can always pick up the phone and give me a call. Oh, there you go. Personal touch, Gloria. I love it. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) So it's more use case, like what's the advantage and why would you use it versus you telling everybody about the carriers and all the stuff behind it? Because that I wouldn't understand all of that anyway. (laughs) Science wasn't (laughs) one of my best topics, I'll tell you that. (laughs) Okay. And now how are you selling? Let's move into that. How do you sell today? I'm selling strictly online. I also sell through various vendor fairs. In fact, I have a couple coming up in the next couple of weeks. I'll be selling at my own fair. And then two weeks after that, I'll be selling at two others. Okay, so and this leads us into what sparked my ears right away without knowing all of this goodness, Gloria, that you've already just told us, because I told you I don't want to know. I want to hear it on the show. But like what really sparked me was when you started talking about some of the collaborations that you're doing. And I think that leads into your own vendor fair, right? If I've got the story right. So let's talk about that some now. Well, the word that I chose for my vision board this year was collaboration. Even though I've been doing bits and pieces of that, I wanted to really delve more into collaborating with other folks, with other kinds of businesses. So I've created a partnership with a fellow herbalist. She was also a shiatsu instructor who worked at my store. And so we got to be pretty friendly. We would travel to conferences either in the state or out of the state together, attend different classes together. And so we got to know each other pretty well. So we created what we call a wellness fair. And this year will be our third year. And the fairs were a regular part of my bookstore business. And so I would hold them at least once a quarter. And I thought that this might be a good addition to my online business. We offer rental space to local craft businesses and wellness businesses. And my partner and I, we split up the duties. 
One of us handles ensuring that there isn't too much duplication in the kinds of vendors that we bring on board. The other one handles the finances. One of us handles the correspondence and the application process. And we both handle social media and getting the word out. As well as we ask our vendors to help out here as well by sending out the notices and whatnot through their own networks. And at the end of the event, we pay the venue and we split the profits. So far, the business has been great. We get to meet so many interesting entrepreneurs this way and uncover unique products. So how many fairs have you put on up to this point? This will be our third one. Your third one. And where are you located? I don't think we ever talked about that. So if someone wanted to come or find out about your fairs, where are you and where can they find out more? I'm based in Bloomfield, but the fair this year is going to be in Nutley. What state? New Jersey. All right. So you guys got that. And then I'm thinking on the website, you have all the information when events are coming near. Right. So let's talk about this a little bit because lots of people could put on events. We limit ourselves to events that other people are putting on and that we'll have to pay for to become involved in. Why not take a leadership role and collaborate with somebody else and do just what Gloria is doing, put on an event? What do you think, Gloria? I think sometimes it's a lot of work. (laughs) Yeah, but is it worth it? Like, give us some direction here. I think it is very worth it. I think that it affords you an opportunity to meet other people. Mm -hmm. It affords you the opportunity to talk directly to your customers, whether they be new or continuing customers. They get to ask questions of you. They get to know you face to face. They get to trust you. A lot of them, they'll come up and quiz you sometimes to see just how much you know, which is fine. And I think that the back and the forth is healthy. It gives us a genuine focus for our business, increases our visibility, and it helps to grow our email list, which I think is extremely important. And you being the originator of the event, you get access to all of those emails. Absolutely. We publish it in Facebook and Instagram and on our personal networks. We put it in Patch and BaristaNet and, and, you know, other places where people will look for events for the weekend. Gotcha. Maybe something to think about, Gloria, is just saying, you know, get a ticket in exchange to be able to attend the event. And some places do charge $5, $10. I'm not even saying you have to charge. Just get the email. (laughs) They're more established. They bring in larger numbers of folks as well as larger number of vendors. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mostly in this area, most of the fairs are free. Is it very clear that you and your collaborator, what's her name? Audie. Audie. Okay. That you and Audie are the ones who are running the event? Yes. So that gives you an elevated level of expertise to credibility putting on the event. So another benefit to doing all the work that you're talking about, you know, putting in the time and doing the work. So would you say that now that this is your third event, it's getting easier because you've done this now several times? Yes. Finding the venue, creating the space is really, really easy. We have now established a running list of vendors that have come to previous events. We blitz them first to let them know what's going on. Then we send out notices in Facebook and Instagram to let other people know, here's an event coming up. These are the kinds of vendors that we're looking for. If you're interested, go to this email and someone will interview you because we want to make sure that there's not too much duplication in product. And it's the right products, right? It's got to stay in line with what the theme of the event is. Absolutely. 
So this is the first year that we're opening it up to craft businesses as well as wellness vendors. Audie wanted to take a stab at that. We're going to see how that works for us. Do you still do the overlay of natural? Yes. Got it. Interesting. I'll be curious to hear how that goes. I'll let you know. (laughs) Okay. And so people have to be approved to be in the show. And then how did you establish in the beginning what the costs were going to be to exhibit? How did you figure out, like, obviously, you know what the cost of the venue is going to be and like, but all that and how many people, I guess, the venue would hold, maybe? Is that how you approach it? Well, yes. In this particular case, we're having it outside. And so what we did was kind of cordon off on a a chart, you know, how many vendors we could have there, as well as looking at the cost of the venue and then figuring out how many tables we would have to sell in order to pay for the building. And then once that's done, everything beyond that is gravy. Right. Well, and you also have additional costs, I'm sure. Like I'm guessing there may be some insurance costs, maybe security, depending. I mean, there's different things, I think. And I don't know if this is like this for you, Gloria, but I know here, if you are selling outside of your established area, you need to get a city permit and license, even if it's just for like a short weekend. Even people who are doing like a sidewalk sale, you know, need to get permission. Yeah, I think it all depends on who you're working with. And because this is a lodge's parking lot, we don't have to go through that. Oh, yeah, because it's private property, I guess. Right. But something to think about. I'm just thinking I'm considering people who are listening who are like, aha, here's an idea. What we try to stress with our vendors is that they make sure that they have their own sales license and that they carry their own insurance as well. I think that's really important in case something happens because we are not liable. And we have them when they sign up, sign a waiver that says we are not liable and that the location is not liable if anything should happen to them. And I think that's also a cutoff point of an established professional business, especially in your category, too. Someone who's just starting might not have all of that, but when they're getting serious, they absolutely should have all of it. Right. That's a nice way to filter out people who aren't quite ready yet. They will be, but they just might not be ready at that point. What other types of things, you know, we're not going to go into how do you run a show, (laughs) because there's, I'm sure, a lot there and a lot that you could share, but that's not for this show. But what are a couple of things that you recall that you wish you would have done differently, like things that were clunky in the beginning or you didn't know about or any tips for someone who might consider this just to give them a little bit of initial guidance? Right. I think it's understanding your limitations. What are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? And if you're going to collaborate with somebody, do they enhance what you have? Make sure that it's somebody that you can deal with on a regular basis. Sometimes things do not go according to plan. And so you should also have a backup plan. If it rains, what are you going to do? Are you going to have a rain date or not? If you need to set your cutoff dates, if you're going to have it in May, when do you start planning for it? You're going to have to visit various venues to see if they work for you. Will people work with you? Do they want a fair on their property or not? I think those are some of the key issues that we ran into. 
So there was there's a lot of legwork associated with it. And now because of COVID, there are also different guidelines that buildings might have about the number of people that can be there. Are they masked or not masked? In this case, we're having it outside, so it's not that big of an issue. But always look into those possibilities, things that can interfere with how well your particular event will go off. But it's not a reason to not do it either. You know, like you've never done it before. You don't know what to do. Well, of course, nobody who starts does. <laughs> you know, you get better as you go, right? And I think also, like, it definitely helps to attend some different shows with the idea of putting your own on in mind, either as an exhibitor or just watching how they manage shows so that it gives you different ideas of best practices, what sat well with you what didn't, what would you have done differently, that kind of a thing. But I love the idea, Gloria, of not doing it alone. (laughs) So partnering up with somebody else, maybe even two other people, and then seeing what you can put together for yourself. Be the leader. Absolutely. I think that is always important to stretch yourself. If you have an idea, sometimes you can't always find someone who will collaborate with you. So why not try it yourself? Mm -hmm. Start out small and see what happens. Then I think, you know, maybe someone who attends the fair or is an exhibitor at the fair will also come in and speak to you about, hey, this is something that I'd like to do in the future. Perhaps we can do something together. That's a great idea. I've also seen not as much at consumer, but maybe and maybe more specialized like how you are where you're theming a show. But I see often at more of the wholesale shows like I do the trade shows that Mm -hmm. a lot of my support and actually people who become my customers are other vendors. There's so much time before a show opens and also after a show or if you do any planning meetings for them to get together and get to know each other also. Right. I think they're a wonderful resource. All sorts of opportunities there. And it sounds like you're liking the shows. So for the time being, they will continue. They're in your plan. Right. We like to do them at least twice a year. So probably in the fall around October or early November, if it's not too cold, Mm -hmm. we'll have another one. And, you know, perhaps by then it'll be okay to be inside and that it will afford us, I think, more space. The venue that we use. It's really nice, really welcoming, and people enjoyed it the last time. Wonderful. That's very exciting. Like I said, I'm anxious to hear how this continues to evolve. What else do you see as you look out into the future for your business? What other things are on the radar there for you? Well, I think, you know, just growing my business, I don't want to create too many products. I want to have a set number. I do bring in products now and then. I do a lot of collaboration with some of my customers as well. I love to do special orders. I'm flexible in my product making, and so I'm open to making changes. And so sometimes people will come to me and say, hey, I'd like to have this kind of product because I'm experiencing this kind of issue. And so I will work with them. And because I'm familiar with the oils for different skin types and the herbal properties, that I'll come up with a good product for them. I have a customer who regularly gives my products to her friends who turn around and buy them from me as well as gift them to their friends and their family. So, and in fact, I also put a sample of the product on my website and kind of trial it out. And if it works and people buy it and they like it and they ask for more, then I will add it permanently to my lineup. 
And that's what I do at uh, vendor fairs and even online. When somebody purchases a product, I'll put in a couple of samples of other things in a similar vein for them to try out. Oh, that's smart. Do you see that then people will purchase after they've sampled more of your products? Yes, they will. Ooh, good strategy, Gloria. Mm -hmm. I try. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's in the end, that's what it is, right? Being willing to try Mm -hmm. might work, it might not. And then if it doesn't work, you try something else. That's it. Right. And then I say limited edition. And if it doesn't work, (laughs) then it comes off. (laughs) This has been amazing, Gloria. I love the whole story about collaboration, the ideas of, well, just the concept and the idea of taking a leadership role and trying something like a show for yourself. Mm-hmm. And your whole story is really inspiring because it's also like you've taken from your corporate life to your brick and mortar shop to what you're doing today. You've just built one on top of another to get to where you are. Very inspiring. One place online, where would you direct people to go to know more about you and your products? Well, that would be allinwomanherbals.com. Perfect. And again, all the links are on the show notes page, you guys. So just go and check that out there. Your next show is coming up. So on behalf of all of us, Gloria, I want to wish you good luck with that show. And thank you so much for sharing everything today. Thank you for having me. This was a lot of fun, and I appreciate you inviting me on. I love your podcasts. I listen to them regularly, and I learn so much. And it's so helpful how you help and assist small businesses. Well, and you know how I do that is by having people like you share your experiences. So mutual respect, Gloria. (laughs) (laughs) As you have just heard, There is absolutely no need for you to abandon the idea of participating in a local craft show if there isn't one in your area. I already know since you listen to this podcast that you're an action taker. Why not start a craft show yourself like Gloria has with her wellness events? Grab a partner, create an event. Remember, you are in control of your potential, but you don't have to go it alone. Before you move on to your next activity today, make sure to get your name on the list for at least one Gift Biz Bash. You can see dates for the upcoming sessions and get signed up over at giftbizunwrapped.com forward slash bash. And if you're enjoying the podcast and would like to show support, a rating and review is always fabulous because it helps get the show seen by more makers. It's a great way to pay it forward. And there's another way where you can get something tangible in return for your support, too. Visit my merch shop for a wide variety of inspirational items, like mugs, journals, water bottles, and more featuring logos, images, and quotes to inspire you throughout your day. Makes a great gift, too. And we've just added some new products for the season to the shop. Turnaround is quick, and the quality is top-notch. Nothing but the best for you. (laughs) Take a look at all the options at giftbizunwrapped.com forward slash shop. All proceeds from these purchases helps go to offset the cost of producing the show. And now, be safe and well, and I'll see you again next time on the Gift Biz Unwrapped podcast. 
I want to make sure you're familiar with my free Facebook group called Gift Biz Breeze. It's a place where we all gather and are a community to support each other. I've got a really fun post in there that's my favorite of the week, I have to say, where I invite all of you to share what you're doing, to show pictures of your product, to show what you're working on for the week to get reaction from other people and just for fun because we all get to see the wonderful products that everybody in the community is making. My favorite post every single week, without doubt. Wait, what? Aren't you part of the group already? If not, make sure to jump over to Facebook and search for the group Gift Biz Breeze. Don't delay. Come join us in Gift Biz Breeze today 